We're following up on our series or our sessions or whatever you want to call it on Jesus is this morning, and we're going to be in John chapter 14 if you want to get a head start on that. But week one we said that uh, what someone says about themselves when they say I am is important. It reveals their their position, it reveals their focus, it reveals what's important to them, and we shared some of those things. I'm a, I'm a mother of three, I'm a golfer, I'm a welder, I'm a level 95 blood elf on War of, World of Warcraft, I'm an I'm a avid poker player. I'm a, it it kind of gives you a sense of who the person is, and so when Jesus himself says, I am, I believe we need to lean in a little bit and listen because it reveals who he is and what's important to him if we're going to be Jesus followers. Now, if you're just somebody that likes to go to church and you think that that's doing the trick for you, uh, first I'm going to tell you that uh, that doesn't make you a Christian just showing up here this morning. Okay? Uh, you know, you coming in church and sitting here for a while doesn't make you a Christian just like a cop going to uh, the donut store doesn't, or you going to the donut store doesn't make you a cop, Right? doesn't matter how long you spend there. The only way that you're going to be a Christian is you're going to choose to follow Jesus Christ. And by follow, that means you're going to live a certain pattern of life. And this is the disconnect where maybe some of us said, well, I heard once this guy just said, say this prayer. And and that's great. We should pray. Uh, But I'm also telling you the Bible does not have a altar prayer. The Bible does say that you should confess with your lips and and. And and all of that, I get that. But I know people that have done all that, but they still don't live the life. And it still doesn't make you a Christian. You can say everything. I can say, I'm Russell Wilson. That don't make it so. (laughs) So what matters is what we do. That's what he's saying. It's the transformational power of Jesus Christ. Because if you really do love him and follow him, you'll do what he says. And when you do what he says, your life will be transformed your brain will be changed and you'll renew your mind and then you start to live a new life. But it does take a while to happen. There are things that happen quickly when we get saved and God just moves heaven and earth. He's already done everything he's going to do and there's incredible things that he's removed out of the way for us. But there's also some things that we have to walk out of. And and here's, before we even get the intro, I, I want you to get this this morning. It doesn't matter if you know the truth, because we've probably heard that. You've probably heard that priest that, that <laughs> where the Spirit of God is or where the truth is, the truth will set you free, right? Now, I believe that, but I also believe this. The truth that you walk in, the truth that you practice will set you free. Me just knowing the truth and not doing anything about it does not set me free. That's like me handing you the keys to your cell, but you refuse to open the door. You're free. How free are you if you stay in that cell, no matter if you've been handed the key or not? It's when you decide, I'm going to actually act on the truth that I am now free. And so as we get ready to look at the Scripture this morning, we're going to talk about who Jesus says He is. And this morning, He says, I am the way, I am the truth, And I am the life. The. We shared that week one, that that horrible thing that that 
makes my ears want to fall off and I want to claw my eyes out when I watch college football when somebody says, oh, the Ohio State. He is saying, I am the, the only way, the only truth, the only life. And you may say, well, I've got a life. There's a difference between life and existence. And so I want to share with you uh, just something that I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Uh, I don't know that it's something I would recommend, but it, it's, it, it's something that's pretty powerful. Uh, this movie is called A Few Good Men. And it's about a, a, a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps that uh, he runs things pretty rough and, and radical, and he's kind of an on-fire guy played by Jack Nicholson. And then, of course, the little heartbreak guy of Tom Cruise is in this. And they come to the part in this courtroom, this big, this big battle in the courtroom is going on, and, and the, the lawyer, Tom Cruise, is trying to goad the colonel to, to admit it. And, and he gets to the point where he realizes, I think he wants to admit it. I think he wants people to know that I can say what I want to say and do what I want to do, and I don't have to hide behind it. And and I just want to read this narrative to you so that you get it this morning. The lawyer says, Colonel Jessup, did you order this code red, which resulted in the death of a Marine? The judge says, you don't have to answer that question. The colonel says, I'll answer the question. Do you want answers? Tom Cruise says, I think I'm entitled to them. You want answers? I want the truth. And he says this great line, you can't handle the truth. Now this morning, I'm not going to go into that movie, but I'm going to ask you this. Before we even get started, can you handle the truth this morning? Can you handle the truth of God's Word this morning? For some of us, it's going to offend you. For some of you, it's going to confirm what you've always known. And for some of you, it's going to raise some questions, depending on where you are with Jesus Christ. And I want to believe that you're all smart people. I want to believe that you're here of your own accord, that somebody didn't promise you a free meal after that, and that's the only reason that you're here. I'm hoping you're not here because you have to do community time or something like that. But I'm going to ask... And you don't have to answer, but I want you to think through, can you really handle the truth of what Jesus says and who Jesus was and what he calls us to do? Because I think there's a lot of people that quote those scriptures, but the reality is they can't handle the truth because they won't do what it says. They won't live like he says to live. They won't rise up to the challenge. Instead, in fact, they believe a lie. Because it's easier to live the lie. It's easier to live in the darkness. And so I just want you to see this as as we go into this. John chapter 14, we're going to read 10 verses. And we'll find out by the end of the day whether you can handle the truth or not. And I know you, maybe you came saying, this is supposed to be a nice, friendly, traditional Palm Sunday. We don't have time to, and I've used this word a lot, and I still don't know what it means. I've got to look it up. And if you can figure it out, somebody email me or something. I don't know what lollygag means. But this thing that we do call Christianity is not a game. It is life and death. 
we're changing eternities or we're, or we're not affecting the abundant life that people around us could have the possibility to have. I don't know if you heard this weekend, uh, one of our local sheriffs was shot and killed. Married, small child. And I bet you he figured he would finish his shift and go home. But unfortunately, life had other plans. Now, my question is, many of us, if not all of us, you had one plan for your life, and then life came along and slapped you in the face. (laughs) Something happened that you didn't expect. A trauma, a tragedy, a direction, a distraction, a delay. Something happened that you didn't even want, and you begin to question God. You begin to question the truth. You begin to say... Uh, if this is so, and, and maybe you're not even saying that out loud but on the inside, and this is what happens with our human hearts, is this is the problem. When things don't go the way we want, we, we grab hold even tighter and try to wrestle it back into our control. And I'm telling you, when your life is in your control, you're out of control. We can't control anything. You think you can, and that's the illusion. That's the problem. That's the lie. And here's what Jesus said. Remember, he's, he's speaking to guys that have been following him for a while. They think that they know him. And yet, just like us, ordinary people, these guys that followed him were nothing special. Fishermen, tax collectors, assassins. It's amazing what these guys were. And yet, something about Jesus was so attractive that they followed him. And I think it was because they knew he was speaking the truth. And if you ever read through the trial of Jesus Christ, even Pontius, the man who's about to sentence him to death, asked him the question, what is truth? And maybe some of you are wrestling with that this morning. Maybe you're coming back to church after you've been gone for a while. Maybe you're interested. This is the time of year where people come to church. I'm I'm glad you did. You made a good decision this morning. But I'm telling you, don't just settle in and sit You need to find out for yourself what the truth is. And I hope I can share that with you this morning. This is what Jesus says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, let's stop right there. (laughs) How many of you were already in a problem right now? Because your heart is troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Not in money, not your job, not your strength, not your romance, not your relationship, not your future, not your 401k, not your health. What are we supposed to trust in? Trust in God and trust also in me, he says. Now, this is what's hard. Most people I've found have no problem acknowledging God. They, sometimes they can't say it. You know, the big guy upstairs, the big kahuna, the boss, the chief, the whatever you want to call him. But the reality is he is God the creator of all the earth and the heavens and all the multiple universes that we're ever going to experience, and Jesus is part of him, him in bodily form. That's where people struggle because God, he's distant, he's kind of a grandpa dude, he kind of did some stuff for us, but then Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, this is how you're supposed to live, this is the standard. If you're going to follow me, then this is what you do, and if you don't follow me, there's a certain place that you go. We struggle with that because it takes it out of our control. But he says this very clearly. If you're going to trust in God, then you can also trust in me. Verse 2. There's more than enough room in my Father's house. Here's another thing that people believe the lie. That Jesus is exclusive. That only certain people. He says there's more than enough room in my house. Right? 
for everybody. That's good news. There's more than enough room. All you got to do, and that's now comes the homeowner's agreement, right? If you're going to move into this house, then you need to know what to expect. If this were not so, if I wasn't telling you the truth, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? I've been telling you I'm going away. I've been telling you this. I've been telling you this. I'm telling you I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you keep hearing it and nodding, but it ain't getting through. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you. Church, we have that hope in Jesus Christ this morning. Did you know that? That he is still preparing places for us and that when everything is ready, he is going to come back for us. Now that's truth. Now whether you agree with that or not, that's up to you. Whether you're going to act on that or not, that's up to you. But that is the truth. Now how do I know this? Pastor, how do you know this is the truth? Any man that can predict his own birth, where he's going to grow up, how he's going to grow up, how he's going to be betrayed, How he's going to be turned over to corrupt people. How he's going to be killed. How long he's going to be dead. And the way in which he's going to come back to life. If he can predict all of those things and he got every single one of them right, let alone all of the hundreds of biblical prophecies that he actually fulfilled, that's the man that knows how to speak truth and I want to hear from him. If I can't, if there's any flaw in that, then I need to step back. And that's the question. Do you even know how to determine truth? What do you do use to determine truth? How do you know if something is true or not? We as human beings are hard at learning this, and we don't get it very well. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. God says, don't touch that tree, don't eat that fruit. And they heard another voice that said, oh, hmm. You see that fruit? Doesn't it look good? You see, God doesn't want you to have it because he knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like him. And they believed the lie. And from that moment, corruption, death, destruction, separation from God, and sin entered the world when people that had only heard the voice of God and just trusted His truth all of a sudden believed the lie. And as soon as we believe the lie, death, destruction, problems, corruption enters our life. And whether you wanted it to or not, they couldn't have understood what it was going to cost them and us with that action. But that's the problem with the lie, is it never tells you the truth. (laughs) It tells you what you want to hear. It tells you something appealing. You see, that is the problem. When everything's ready, I'm going to come back for you so that you will always be with me where I am. Look at this. I want you to be with me. I don't want you to be separate from me. That's the truth this morning. Whoever you are this morning, they're thinking that God's got it out for you and somehow he's brought you on this hard path. He has been with you through every moment, whether it's been a hard path or not, and he wants to be with you. In fact, he has been with you, whether you knew it or not, but he wants you to be with him forever. But that's going to require a choice. That's going to require you acting on some truth. Look what else he says. 
and you know the way to where I'm going. He's telling this to, to, to his closest friends, and I'm telling it to you this morning. You know what it takes to get to heaven. You really do know the truth. The question is, will your heart and your mind and your desires allow that truth to become the practice of your life? Or are you going to keep acting on the lie? You know the way. Look at what... Now, I'm going to tell you up front, Thomas is saying this to him. And we all know what we call Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. This is what he says. You know where I'm going. You know how to get there. We don't know, Lord. I've been telling you almost from day one. And it's not that he hadn't told him. He just didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear that Jesus was going to be betrayed by his own close friends. He didn't want to hear that he was going to die a horrible death. He didn't want to hear that it wasn't going to be the way it was supposed to be. He didn't want to hear that it wasn't going to be the way he had dreamed and hoped. And he listened to the lie. We don't know where you're going and we don't understand how to get there. We have no idea where you're going. Read. I mean, think about this, church. You have no idea where he's going. He's been saying all along where he's been going. But just because they heard it didn't mean they believed it. Now, here's the problem. John chapter 8, somewhere in the 40s, verse 44, somewhere, Jesus handles this problem with our hearing and our perception. This is what he says. Satan is the father of lies. There is no truth in him. Now think about this. Who do you want to be your father? You got two choices this morning, and only two. The eternal father, who says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life or the one who has no truth in him and is the father of lies, a destroyer, an accuser, and the man that wants to sift you. Which one do you want? Now you think, well, of course I want Jesus. I'm just assuming this morning. Maybe you're really twisted and you're like, I don't know. I, hmm. I'd like a little more of that destruction, distraction, problems, I, I, you know. Okay, now you made a mental decision. Now will you make a life decision? Because the life decision is going to determine if you're actually going to have life with him or not. Remember, he is the life. Not just a life. He is the life. Life. You want to have a real life? You want to have an abundant life? You want to have a life that's not full of lies and misery and regret and pain and shame? Then he is the life. And he is the way to that life. And he is the truth about how to get to that life. That's what he's trying to explain. But understand that we have a tendency to buy the lie. We have all bought some of those lies. Think about this. The lie that says, hey, if I don't submit to God, I'm actually free. You're not free. You're bound. The lie that says that drugs can fill in the gap for your pain and your problems. That's not the truth. That's a lie. 
the lie that says that sex is something to be expounded on and something we must experience again and again and again because the more you experience, the better it gets. And the truth is not that. In fact, it says it should be sacred. It should be saved. It should be specific. And then it's wonderful. And then it's something that can be heralded. And yet we lived in an oversexed population where it's like it doesn't even matter. And we buy the lie. And what you don't understand is that the lie says at the bottom, it empties you every time you do it. And whether it's casual sex with somebody or whether it's pornography, it's ruining your heart, it's ruining your intimacy, and that's what the lie doesn't tell you. The lie tells you that you've gone too far, you've done too much, and you've even enjoyed it. And the truth is, Jesus paid for you. Broken, messed up. He didn't buy a perfect person. He bought a work in progress. The lie says, you're never going to get over it. You can't be good enough. You're one of those people that just can't make the right decision. The truth is, he says, you can renew your mind and be transformed, and that He will love you and change you step by step. But then you've got to walk it out, and that is the tough part. Because it's easier to walk in the lie than it is in the truth. And I've even said that myself. When people would say things about me, and, and, and I've said this not only out loud, but I've said it within myself. Well, if I'm going to be accused of being a jerk, then I might as well be one. Now think about that. If I'm going to believe the lie about myself, I might as well just act on that lie. What? If one drink's good enough, then 30's got to be better. Now all of you are looking at me like, you're just dumb. But think about what you've bought as a lie and lived it out. I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. And yet, in Christ, we are complete. When he said it is finished, he meant he is finished with it, and I have bought you, and I'm the thing that makes you complete. The problem is you buy the lie, and you're trying to fill your life with other things to make you complete, and it will never work. Some of you bought the lie of religion that you got to try harder, that you got to be more, that you got to read this and memorize that. And it's not that at all. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ and that alone. We are saved by grace. Period. Should you know your word? Yes. Should you read your scriptures? Yes. But is that what saves you? The way that you dress, where you sit, how you do all this dutiful stuff with no relationship? That's buying the lie. And I've yet to meet a very happy, life-giving, religious person. They're all about the rules. They're all about the time limit. They're all about the letter of the law. And Jesus himself said that the letter of the law kills. It doesn't bring life. And you can be as strict as you want, but it doesn't give you the freedom that Jesus Christ brings. When I know who I am in him, I have freedom. And I have abundance. And I have life in me. It doesn't mean that I don't mess up and that I don't fall down. But it means that I've got the grace to get back up again and go. And that's the truth this morning. Whether you can handle it or not, I don't know. And at the end of the message this morning, I'm going to give an altar call. And if you don't even know what that means, that means I'm going to ask if you want to come forward so we can pray for you. Because there's a bunch of you that are living the lie. 
And it's not that you hate God. You didn't say that, and you didn't even sign up for that. But the way you're living now, you can see no hope and no future. You just think this is the way it's got to do, and I don't know if church is working for me. And church may not work for you, but Jesus will. (laughs) And if you get that part right, then church will start to make sense. So will God's Word. But you get that backwards, and it'll never make sense. It may even punish you. But some of you are living the lie about alcohol, drugs, pornography, abuse, all this mess going on in your mind, and you have to decide, I'm giving up the lie. I want the truth. Now, my question still is, can you handle the truth? Because the truth is, you were free from the very moment he bought you. We just didn't realize it. The truth is, you're going to have to change. The truth is, he loves you while you're changing. (laughs) The truth is, you think you've got time, and you think you're getting away with what you're getting away with. But that's a lie. The truth is, he's watching us. (laughs) He's trying to help us. John 14, 6 Jesus tells him specifically, look at he's he's dealing with this man that has questions, that has doubts, and this is what he says, I'm the way. You want to know the way? I'm the way. You don't have to go looking for some road. You don't have to find a guru someplace. You don't have to ascend the level of spirituality or intellect or philosophy. You want to know the way? I am the way. Now, right there is some truth that many of you can't handle. Jesus is the way. Not religion. Not worship. The only way to the Father is Jesus. Period. Now, and, and we'll deal with this in a little bit. Maybe you struggle with that. Just hang on for a little bit this morning. He says, and I am the truth. I'm the truth about what I'm saying. And not just a truth. I'm not a truth. I am the truth. I would never lie to you. I would never mislead you. I would never tell you something that was untrue because I love you. And that's the problem. We listen to the world and we listen to the devil instead of listening to God's word that tells you who you are. And you are a child of God and you are redeemed and you're a conqueror and you're more than an overcomer and you have been healed and you have been bought. You are the children of God, children of light. That's the truth. Now, whether you're walking in that or not is something different. Whether you're practicing that or not is something different. I'm the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we go back to week one where he says, I'm the gatekeeper. Anybody that tries to come in through a different way, they are robbers and thieves. Think about that. You're trying to get into heaven some other way. You're trying to meet the Father some other way. You are trying to avoid Jesus, and Jesus is God. He is our intercessor. He is our very best friend, wanting the best for you. And so he's the one that says, hey, Jim, I'm for you. I paid for you. Don't try to bypass me. I'm the one that's standing between you and God saying, don't kill him. And you're trying to bypass that. And if you bypass him, then you've got to fulfill the law. And no one can do that. No one. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want you to understand this. 
God isn't saying that the way to come to God is to believe in God. He's being very specific here. And this is why I say you've got to determine if you can handle the truth. The only way to get to heaven, the only way to get to God is through Jesus. And you're saying, Pastor, I know some really good people that practice another religion. And they seem very peaceful. And they seem very confident. And they say things just as charismatic and dynamic as you. But they don't say that it's Jesus. Who's right? That's a great question. So let me give you an illustration. Curry and LeBron are playing basketball. And the ref calls one of them for a violation. And they argue and say, you're wrong. The other guy says, no, you're right, you're wrong, you're right. What does the referee do? Are they going to spend all that time arguing about him? What is he going to do? Now, this is just basketball, right? What do they do? They go to the rule book. Well, how do we know if the rule book is right? I'm going to answer that question. It's called faith. Okay? I believe you all have faith this morning. Watch this. That's a Washington State driver's license. Are you sure? Were you there when I got it? Did you watch the DMV issue it to me? Or by virtue of the state of Washington and this card. Because see, when I hand this to the police, you know what they say? That is one ugly dude. (laughs) It makes sense. I didn't figure that out until every time they handed it back to me, they always put their thumb over my picture. (laughs) They weren't at the DMV either. They didn't watch me take the test. But by virtue of faith that somebody somewhere put me through some paces and agreed that this ugly mug was a a safe driver, they issued me this. And somewhere along the line, it's just faith, folks. Because it requires faith for everything we believe. Oh, nope, had to produce a birth certificate. How do we know that's not fake? How do we know your mom is really your mom? You were kind of young when you were born, so you probably don't remember. See, it takes faith, doesn't it? And yet we don't question all this. Have you ever got in the car and think, oh my gosh, I hope it doesn't blow up? Or you just have faith. I mean, there's miniature explosions going on inside of your car, right? That's what makes it run. You just have faith. You have faith as you drive down the road that a big gap isn't going to open up and swallow you. Unless you live in California. And then... Why is it such a big stretch to believe with faith that what God says is true? You know why? Because our flesh is disobedient. 
and we really don't want to be told what to do. Even when truth happens, we rarely want to be told what to do. We don't want to be told no. We don't want to be told there's boundaries. We don't want to be told there's limitations. And yet here he is saying, I've put the limitations to guide you to life. I've put the limitations to guide you to the way. I've put those limitations to be guardrails for you, to guide you to the Father. Not to leave you cast out there wandering and floating. I put them there to bring you in. And you resist with every twist and turn. If you really knew me, here we go. Look, and he's talking to his friends here. If you really had known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Look at what he's saying. You do know God, and you've seen him, you know? Because you've seen me. Now, this is probably hard for us. We think, oh, of course, what a revelation. But think about all these Jewish men that have grown up thinking about God as this distant taskmaster that lays all these laws on them that they've never seen. In fact, they've told them that nobody can see the face of God. And here's Jesus saying, you've seen God because you've seen me. And you've known God because you know me. And here's Philip. I love Philip because he's just like the rest of us. We hear something plain, something that's truthful, but we're not sure what to do with it. And here's what Philip says. Remember what Jesus just said? If you've known me, you know God, and you've seen God. Look, here's Philip. Lord, will you show us the Father? And I think Jesus is going, I chose the wrong guys. Philip, Philip, listen, come here. But he doesn't do that. Look at this. See, he he wants proof instead of faith. See what he asks? If you just show us the Father, that'll be enough. We'll be satisfied. Just show us God. Now, some of you, you've asked for that in various ways. If there's really a God... Prove it. I asked that question before I got... Come on. Really? There's God. Prove it. Prove it. You'd be hard-pressed to prove who you are if I can't believe anything that you say. Jesus says, I've been with you all this time, Philip, but you still don't know who I am. And for some of you, that's a big decision right there. You've been on this path of church and God and, quote, faith for quite a while. And you still won't walk it out. You show up. Maybe you do a daily devotion or maybe you're a default Christian. And, hey, I listen to Caleb. He never told you to listen to Caleb. He said, follow me. Great, listen to Caleb, but follow him first. Now here's the question. Have you been doing this all this time, but you still don't believe? You're still not embracing the truth? You're still not walking in it? You're still doing your thing, still believing the lie? Why? You still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen 
the Father. And did you notice that there's an exclamation point there? He's kind of getting, I won't say agitated, but he's trying to let them know, listen, dude, Philip, I just was talking to Thomas about this. You heard what I was saying. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the proof. Church, Jesus is the proof there is God. Jesus is the proof there is a way. Jesus is the proof that there is a life to be lived. And if you need some other form, then it's about faith. And we're supposed to be walking and practicing faith, not doubt. Why are you asking me to show him to you? Think about this. He's right here in bodily form. What more do you want? I stepped out of heaven, became a man. Think of the indignity of that. Don't you believe... Good question this morning. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? I've been telling you this, that I and the Father are one, that we are the same and that I came from Father. I only do what the Father tells me. I've been saying this all along, guys. Do you not believe that, the, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And that the words that I speak, they're not even my own, but my Father who lives in me does His work through me? Do you not believe that, guys, after all of this? And he goes on and he says, if you'll believe in me, and starts listing a bunch of this stuff, that will happen. But that's the big question. Don't you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And if you believe that he is who he says he is, then why don't we do what he says to do? That's what's going to test whether you believe or not. And this is the part that I'm just going to tell you in advance If you're struggling this morning, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to guilt you. I hate guilt and I hate ultimatums and all that stuff because it's usually very unproductive. But the truth is very productive. (laughs) There are many people who say they believe but don't do anything, he says. And the reality is, the truth is, no matter what you say, your actions show what you believe. If you have not changed your life, if you have not handed your life over to Jesus Christ, if you have not confessed your sin, if you have not decided to follow Him like the Bible says to follow Him, then you are not saved and you are not following Jesus, even if you know the Scripture, even if you went to seminary, even if you were raised in a Christian home and you went to church every Sunday, if you have not asked Jesus Christ personally into your life and confessed your sin and made the changes He says we're supposed to make, you are not saved. And some of you are saying, Pastor, that's how can you even say that? I'm not saying it. The Bible says that. Now the question is, can you handle the truth? Because he says there are many that will say, Lord, Lord. And he will say, I don't know you. You know why? They didn't change. They just said, Lord, Lord. Now think about this, church. I don't want you to make this mistake. 
He is not some exclusive racist or, or only these type of people. In fact, he is not exclusive. He is radically inclusive. He wants everybody. When Jesus said he's the only way to God, some are going to argue that this is too narrow. Okay? Here's the last hard truth I want you to absorb, and it's not even the Bible, it's just truth. The reason some of you are struggling with God is you know too many wannabe Christians. Just like Gandhi said, I have no problem with Jesus, I just struggle with his followers. And the problem you're struggling is you've met too many people that call themselves Christian that aren't living according to this book. And they're harsh, and they're demanding, and they're unloving, and they're unkind, and they're not following anything they call in the book. They just attend church. And that's the problem. We just don't have a name for people that attend church. We just call them Christians. But if you're not following what Christ did, you're not following Christ, and you're not a Christian. And the other problem with that is you've met some really nice people from other religions that are peaceful and kind and loving and helpful and gentle. And you're thinking, well, man, that life looks a lot better than that person's life. Which truth do you want to believe this morning? Instead of worrying, instead of arguing about how limited or narrow-minded it should be, what if we just decide to say thank you? Instead of arguing, let's just say thank you, God, for providing a solid way for me to get to heaven. Wouldn't that be a lot more productive? Wouldn't that save us a lot of time instead of arguing? Because the reality is, you can argue with me, but you're not going to be able to argue with him when the time comes. That's the truth. How about we just say, God, I'm just going to trust. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have my life cleaned up. I can just turn it over to you right now and say, thank you, Jesus, for providing me a way, and I'm going to live like you said I'm supposed to live, but be patient because I am a mess, and he's going to say, done. I can handle that. See, he gave us three big aspects of how he loves us. He says, as the way, Jesus is our path to the Father. See, He intercedes for us. He bought us. He redeemed us. Ephesians 2.18 speaks about this as well. Look, at, I made the way for you. I became sin for you. I tore the veil for you. I went to the cross for you. I stood in judgment for you. In fact, I had to take myself and turn away from God because I was sin for you. That's how much I loved you. I became the way through the sin that you couldn't defeat. As the truth, Jesus is the reality of all of God's promises. Second Corinthians says, and all of God's promises in him, in Jesus, are yes and amen. So think about this. Apart from Jesus, all the promises of God are not for you. They're only for those that are in Him. And then they're, yes, I'm waiting to do that promise with you. Yes, I'm waiting to provide that great thing for you. But if you're not, then you're out. And again, we may say, well, that doesn't sound like a very loving Jesus. Does the State Lottery Association pay people that don't buy tickets? 
Even if they really, really, really want to win, I'm one of those people. I even said that when I win the lottery and I have never bought a ticket. But I actually don't believe I'm going to win. Now, that would be a miracle, wouldn't it? I just walk out to my car and i huh, lottery ticket. Now the question is, would I think it was trash and just throw it away? Or would I think, wow, a miracle is just taking place. I just won the Powerball. I just won $62 million. Which is about $29.2 million after the Washington gets their part. He is the reality of all the promises that God has for you. And without Him, there's no promises. He is the promise. And also as the life, He joins His own life to ours, both now and forever. And we're going to hear about this next week, and I invite you to come back, listen to to how Jesus is who He says He is. But He has promised abundant life. John 10.10 says that I have come to bring you life and life more abundantly. I haven't come to take from you. I haven't come to steal from you. I haven't come to destroy you. I've come to bring you life. You're buying the lie of existence. You're buying the lie that I just have to eke it out for another couple of years. You're buying the lie of there's nothing that can satisfy in this life. You're buying the lie that life is full of possessions or this or that. And that's not life. That's just existing. He knew what it was to have life. And if you'll join with him, then he says, I'll make you a new creation. And you'll be with me forever. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. That's what he says. And that's truth. The question is, can you handle that form of truth? So I'm going to ask if you stand up this morning. And are you going to believe the lie? Or are you going to believe the truth this morning? I look back at my life right now and I see the irony of somebody that believed science loved the sciences nursing for many many years and I look back on that now and I think of all the things I believed that were lies not very good in school until I needed to be and then I did really well I could never stand up in front of a crowd and do public speaking and now I somehow needed alcohol to work out my anger my fears and my insecurity and now free of all that stuff, I realize that's why I've got prayer. That's why I've got worship. That's why I've got a Heavenly Father that I can pour my heart out to. And it doesn't cost me and I don't end up in jail and I don't wake up with a hangover. I believe the lie. 
that commitment was too binding and I had to find this person or that person or this friend or that friend or something that would satisfy and make me feel less insecure. But I'm telling you that when you know who you are in Jesus Christ, nothing else satisfies. No no worldly thing. I, I love my wife desperately. But she doesn't get to determine if I'm a Christian or not. She doesn't get to determine my eternal destination or not. She doesn't get to determine my calling or not. She doesn't know when I'm done. She doesn't know what God is pouring into my life unless I tell her. She is not the fullness of me Jesus Christ is. And He wants to do that for you as well. The fears of what may happen. The fears of the what ifs and... If we can just trust Him, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow with my life or your life, but I trust the one that knows. I bought the lie that if I just exercise and try to take care of myself and be strong, that it's going to be okay until two heart attacks, two stents, and you can't outrun genetics. And yet here I stand. Not because of me, but because of Him. Had it been my time, it would have been my time. What lie are you buying this morning that you need to, you need to lay that thing down and pick up the truth this morning?